The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for the Ryder Cup. Ooh, feels so good to say that. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, we made it. Happy Ryder Cup Tuesday. One day closer, uh, and it, it can't come soon enough. I, um, I'm not one to wish the days away, but Friday morning can't come soon enough. Yeah, it starts on Friday, too. We got to wait the extra day. I know. It kills you. It's like Christmas Eve. Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to have you. Told you I was going to wear it. It's my 24 Beth Page Black Ryder Cup t-shirt. I'm ready. There I'm uh, There it is. Let me get this. There, 2024. You'll never see this again. I'm jacked. I mean, it's look, we've waited an extra year and I get to go. My COVID test was negative, thankfully. So I'm flying up Thursday morning. Apparently the weather is cold right now and the golf course is softish and long. So I'm keen to get there and see what's going on. All right, we're keen to get you there. Kyle Porter is here. KP, welcome. Yeah, I was just telling y'all, I, I almost didn't make it to the podcast. I pulled a Rory at uh, <laughs> at Medina in 2012. I just I misjudged the time. I was in a different time zone. And uh, yeah, thanks for waiting for me. Here we are. Sorry for in holding your, us up. In your defense, we're going 30 minutes earlier than normal. This is not our normal time slot. We've been well, moved up. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully I go Rory on, on and just dust the you know just mop the floor with keegan on sunday to to win the Ryder cup so hopefully this will be one of my all-time great podcasts well if anyone can do it it's you kp now i'm not done with you because you've had a, a great year you know that you, you went viral <laughs> at augusta national uh you were turned into a meme which then turned into a cartoon which was then I don't know how they do it digitally rendered onto the side of golf balls. And uh, we have those golf balls to give away with your likeness. Are you being compensated by this? This is like the new, you know, the new college rules. We got to get you compensated for this in some way with your likeness out there in the wild. Yeah. The NIL does not extend to uh, golf bloggers apparently. So that's unfortunate. It is my friend's, thoroughly enjoy this they enjoy me being a meme on the internet and they give me hell about it all the time our our pastor our church was like hey i saw somebody giving away golf balls with your with your <laughs> with you on them i was like yeah i got like four dozen if you want some so uh yeah it's all in good fun uh it has been it's been just an awesome year and this this week this Ryder cup is is going to be i think uh hopefully a perfect cap to, to what's been an amazing year. Do, do we have the image, Jacob? Do we have the image of the golf? I'm balls? sure we do. I, Andy, we had it. We had it yesterday. I don't know where, maybe not while, while, while we're looking for that. Oh, yeah, there, there they are. Go. If you're watching on YouTube, there they are. 
Look at Jeez, that. bro, you got I've some got... big, uh, big, big, big uh, quads and stuff over your glutes. Yeah, are that's, a, that's a that's a John Rom lower body there. That's a that's <laughs> thick. That is that's not what I actually look like, but everything else is pretty good. If you would like to win a dozen of those golf balls with Kyle <laughs> Porter's for giving me <laughs> <laughs> there, there are two ways to do so. Both of them revolve around the exact final score prediction for this week's Ryder Cup. Way number one, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review your final score prediction, and maybe your Twitter handle to get in touch with you. That might be a good way to do it. Or you can comment on this very YouTube mega preview pod. Leave a comment, your exact score prediction. Uh, follow us at First Cut Pod. That's way we can send you a message if you actually do win. And uh, you just never know. Those those KP quad balls might be uh, might be yours to whack around. Now now now, Greg, if you received these balls, um, I wouldn't even play them. I, I, I would just, I would never game those things. I would put them on the shelf. I would display them for the world to see. Absolutely. Uh, I'd find a way to get, you know, maybe a floating shelf or something. I'd hang them right here behind me. Yep. Uh, and they'd always be on site because they're just, they're that special, um, that unique. And I was saying yesterday, Kyle, Kyle wasn't here for it, but, um, you know, a dream of mine has always been, if I, if I wasn't in the, in the golf world, I think I'd be a meme maker and I can't even dream of being a meme. So that, I mean, that is, uh, <laughs> he said he wanted you, to be a you, meme maker. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've you, made it Kyle and you, I fully you support sound it. Like, you sound like you're about 75 right now, by the way. <laughs> or like eight, a, eight years old. Like, I feel like an eight, like a child would be like, I want to grow up and be a meme maker. <laughs> I want to be Twitter famous. Yeah. I want to be famous. On Instagram. <laughs> uh, Amazing stuff. Gentlemen, we've got a Ryder Cup, and uh, there is a stark contrast between at least the age groups that we have out there, Mark. The the Americans uh, seemingly much younger, the European team going with experience, um, and, and I wonder how in this type of format uh, both of those things could kind of lend themselves to success. I think when, well. I, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that one of the real keys to success this week, and it always is, but I think the captains are going to play a larger role in this because of, you know, on the one side of the equation, you've got more inexperience. And on the other side, you've got guys with some tired legs, to be honest with you. I mean, you've got some 40-somethings. And so a lot of this is sort of timing guys and say, okay, we've got so many matches to play. This is how we're going to space guys out to get them rest. Because for the Westwoods and the Garcias and company, they're all in good shape for 40-somethings. But this golf course is a big walk. It really is a big walk. And it's uphill, downhill. And if you miss fairways, you're walking around in sand, which is always grueling. So it's going to take it out of you physically. So I think from the captaincy point of view, Captain Podrig and his crew are, are going to have to be smart about how much they play, folks, especially the elder statesmen. And then for the, the rookies on the other side, you, I think you sort of blood them a little bit. You get them in the mix early so they can get a feel for what it feels like and how the body is performing because under this sort of pressure, it's like major championship pressure but ratcheted up, which is crazy to believe because it's so high. And, and you can sit there on the sidelines and your mind can play so many tricks on you. But then once you get the, the tee in the ground and you get going, your body just performs at a different level and your senses are just so heightened. And so to get in there and get a 
accustomed to it to a certain extent or as much as you can, uh, I think is a very important deal for, for Captain Stricker to get his youngsters out, get them into it, into the fray. Maybe they earn a point or something, get the confidence up, and then who knows, maybe they run with a ball. So so from that point of view, with the breakdown and the makeup of the teams, I feel like captaincy is going to be very important this week. I think that is maybe the most overlooked part of being a Ryder Cup captain here, KP. We talk a lot about the captain's picks. We talk a lot about any potential pods or pairings, but the in-event ebbs and flows and understanding, hey, maybe I want to get a young guy out early so that they, they can get the feel of this, not have to sleep on it for another day, or, okay, I've got to dial back some of these guys. It, those in-event adjustments are probably more important than anything else they do leading up and, and starting this this event. Yeah, and that's where Europe's been really good, right? Like, I, I was just reading uh, Ben Coley, who's a great writer for, I think, it, I never get the name right. I think it's The Sporting Life. And he was writing about how, like, look, do you think Fleetwood and Molinari were slated to play five matches in Paris? No, no way, no chance. But, the, you know, Thomas Bjorn was like, oh, well, this, <laughs> look, look, look what we have here. And they just kind of rode them the entire way. Same thing with, uh, I think about Thomas Peters at, at Hazeltine. Thomas Peters wasn't going to play five times or four, whatever he played four or five times with Rory. That, that was not, that was not the plan going in, but Europe adjusted to that. And I think that, I think the U S has not, they, it's either they haven't had any plans or they've had too many. And so, and they haven't had like you need a plan and a backup, or or like a hey we're gonna ride this group or whatever. And I was listening to Spieth earlier, and he kind of he kind of sounded like that was more of of what Stricker and and those guys had in place right now was a plan and a contingency, and and that's it. That's what we got, and we're gonna hopefully ride guys that are hot and uh, and 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 go in the Ryder Cup. So. Um, to me, that is, and it, it's it's hard to do because you have. Think about this: you have three years leading into this, and you got about three minutes to to <laughs> say, "Hey, this this group's going out in afternoon four ball." And it's just a. It, I think it's a, a extraordinarily difficult thing to do. So I'm 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 fascinated to see how um, just kind of both sides do that going into the week. And I think you're right; that's a big part of the captaincy at a Ryder Cup. The the three years of preparation for three minutes of decision making here, Greg. I think a lot of it, um, uh, unfortunately for guys like me, it might might not be quantifiable. It might be having your finger on the pulse of your team, understanding that no matter what, uh, your your golfer, all twelve of them are going to say. I'm ready to go out again. I I, I want to go back. No one I can't imagine is going to say they don't want to go out. So it, you have to kind of, um, I don't want to say fade the noise, but like understand what they actually mean by that. What's best for the team? Make hard decisions. It's, it's knowing your team enough to be able to do that. Yes. Um, no question about it. And the other thing is to preparation prepares you to make quick decisions. So all that time, all that preparation and what they're going through right now is, okay, we're going to have an if then, um, if, if these guys do this, then we're going to do this. And if they do this, then we're going to do this. And there's there can be um, very clear decisions that are made in advance. But at the same time, there's a feel that you got to have and you got to be willing to adjust. Uh, and that's where the 
the captain, which is something Ben Crenshaw has talked about when he was the captain in in um, in 1999. Uh, you got to have a real feel for the for the golf course and a feel for your team and a feel for who everybody likes um, and and who people like to play with. And when you have that feel, I think all those decisions that can seem overwhelming kind of get narrowed down for you. And the hope is the hard decisions are sitting guys and the hard decisions aren't who you're going to play. Uh, and, and, and that's where it's really tough when, when it doesn't feel like anybody's playing well, it doesn't feel like you have any momentum and you got to decide what to do. Um, and, and in the case where everybody's playing well, it, it's a lot easier to just roll. And when the hard decision is, all right, I'm going to sit these guys who are hot down for these guys who are hot. I, that's a much easier decision to make. We got you on mute, Mark. That's my mistake. Sorry, my dog was barking in the background. <laughs> I wanted to add to Rick and Carl's point there. Um, you know, this is those points are what makes Paul Azinger's pod system genius. And it was sort of built on what they do in Bud's training at the SEAL team, where you've got these groups and you've got a, a leader of the group, and then you've obviously got someone, the supervisor of everything. And each group, both teams have them, the groups of four players, and they're out there playing together. And each one has their lieutenant, uh, who's whoever the vice captain is going out there with them. And he's sort of the guy who's speaking to the players all the time. He will be the guy that's out there on the golf course watching how they're playing. And then there will be the report back. So uh, it's a very interactive sort of a system. And, and everybody should credit Paul Azinger for maybe not the genius of it, but just the, the bravado of it to do it in this way because it proved great for him at Valhalla. And since then, it's sort of become something that everybody does. And so you get all these guys who know the game, they know the players, they've got great relationships. And so there's continual communication, which is crucial. And then they come back to the captain Then hopefully they make the smart decisions. So I think that pod system is a really wise way to go about things. And, you know, it was something that I didn't think about earlier in the week um, and, and in all the lead up. And I wish I had was that pod system because it's it is a beautiful system to circumvent, uh, you know, problems between players. And all of a sudden you take a team of 12 where there's some likelihood that guys aren't going to get along and you can cut that out right away through a pod. And now all of a sudden you don't need 12 guys to get along. You need three groups of four to get along. Uh, and and that in a way can be a lot easier. It's not always that simple, but um, but I do think it it at least alleviates some of that pressure between between players. The the interactions between these teams are not just captain to player; they're obviously player to player. KP, and we're already seeing kind of those dynamics in play as the teams are on site. The uh, European team releases a, a pump-up video of 164 guys who have ever been a member of Team Europe, which is less than those uh, who have either been in space or walked on the moon. I can't remember. But the U.S. then responds with uh, Bryson and Brooks talking to each other for four seconds on the driving range before walking away from one another. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm unconvinced that was Brooks. I think it was a stunt double. We never saw it his didn't face. Even, it didn't even really look. Li- I thought. I didn't know who that was. I thought that was Joel Damon. That's who it looks like to me. It. It. We didn't see his face. I. I. I'm dubious. I need. I need more footage of. No, I mean, it, yeah, it's. See, they've already deleted it. As producer Jacob is, is can get go. to it. There we go. Yeah, here's Brooks. I mean, is that him? Maybe not. It could be like 
from right there, it looks like it could be a, a, a female sibling or something. <laughs> I, who, who can say? Uh, yeah, I look like Europe's so good at just <laughs> it's almost comical. Like, Europe is so good at this week, like, they're just awesome at the entire week from start to finish, from press conference to pairings to press to, to like the just everything all of it uniforms aren't great but everything else is awesome and the u.s <laughs> is so so bad at it like they're so comically bad at just the whole week and that i mean I, I i think they're gonna win i think their talent is overwhelming i think the course plays into their hands big time but it is like just the juxtaposition to start the the first two days of this entire week it, it it's it 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 feels like really like there's a ton of clarity about why Europe wins this event all the time, right? Just from and again, like we're way on the outside looking in, but I, I don't know. It kind of seems like that's what it's like on the inside as well. Well, you make up such a good point there, Carl. And I'm going to go back a little bit to a few Ryder Cups past, and and the author of this all to me was Tony Jacklin. You know, when obviously they brought in Europe into the fray and then Tony Jacklin's first move with the Europeans was to say the Americans have got the best clothes. They travel in the Concord. He goes, we're getting treated like second class citizens. He goes, we're going to do this right and we're going to make our guys feel like they belong. So he did, he did that with his, his power six and Seve and Langer and Olathabal and Faldo and Wizzy and, and that crowd, Sandy Lyle. And that built it. Then, uh, then Bernard Gallagher came along after Jacklin. And he started this, you might have won, but we're still the underdog thing with him. And they still do this. They still believe they're the underdog. They are in the world rankings, but they've won how many of the last few, but they still mean uh, believe that they're the underdogs. And then I spent time with Paul McGinley, who I thought was a tremendous captain, right? And in his team room, he had a guy basically paint these portraits of pictures of them at the in the comeback of at medina like justin rose with that fist pump you know holding his hands open and they had the european stars coming out there and then and and then he had one of uh, someone who was like the rock of the team and he had these pictures all over the place and they, they were using this imagery of you know the pictures of what they've done even though they're the underdogs and how they can do this in a hostile environment again and the one thing about all these euro captains they just follow the plan that's been set up now. No one's reinventing the wheel. They're not egos with these captains that they have to do it a certain way. They're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have good stuff, even though the uniforms don't look good, according to Kyle. We've got pictures on the wall. Horrible. We've got the underdog thing. We're going to have a whole lot of fun with us. We're going to pick the guys we know work, and we'll see how the whole thing shakes out. So kudos to them for shelving the ego and just going about this with a plan that works. And Mark, they, they, I, I think, oh, go ahead, Kyle. No, 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 you go, Greg. I was going to say um, what Mark just brought up, how they continue to do the same thing and no one reinvents the wheel. That's why they're so good at this week, like Kyle was saying, because it, they have the experience that is positive experience, where when the Americans change things year in and year out after a couple of losses, a devastating loss. We got to invent a, a pod system, which, which is great. We got to have a task force, which make of that whatever you will. But we change our plan chasing victories where they, they keep doing the same thing. And it's, it's like a football team who has a coach for a long period of time. 
uh, and a quarterback for a long period of time, they can continue to get better and better and better. Whereas the teams like my Jets, who continuously have a new regime Oof. and a new quarterback, they they continue to spin their wheels. So I, I think that's a, a great point, Mark. They keep doing the same thing. Yeah, and it, I was uh, – they are the underdogs, by the way. Like their players are just not as good. Always. Almost always. Um, but I think – you know, I, I was on the No Line Up podcast a couple of weeks ago and and – Chris Solomon kind of brought this up of like, even when they lose, like when the Europeans lose like six, uh, 16 or 2008, it's not like what it, it's kind of what Greg just said. It's not like, Oh, we got, we got to like do all these 20 different things. It's like, Oh, we just lost. Like we just lost. And I think it's because, there, and again, this goes back. I've been talking about this for two weeks now. They trust one another. They trust the, the the plan and the process that they have in place. And the Americans don't. They don't trust one another. They don't trust they, – they haven't – I mean, the, there's been no, like, continuity in terms of – not players. I, I think they've actually had a lot of continuity with players, but they haven't had continuity when it comes to, hey, here's our plan, right? They've they, – they, like, once you start changing stuff up, it, it almost – like, you almost just keep – like that's what you do is you keep changing stuff up. There's you can't get into the rhythm of like, hey, here's our here's a plan, here's a long term plan, and that's what again what Europe has done so well is almost especially in their losses is that they haven't panicked and they've just kind of moved on to to the next match. I have to say this since the turn of the century, yeah, they're the underdogs every time, but nine matches played, they've won seven. They've won seven of nine Ryder Cups since 2002. There's something to be said. I mean, yeah, they're the, they're the is, underdogs. What does that mean, though? Well, they on paper, they're the best Ryder Cup team, but they're the underdogs. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, in the world rankings, but because that's the whole thing. Like I've said, like we've all said in so many words, they're a team because the Ryder Cup to me is a whole bunch of couples matches and some singles. 12 points of the total that you have to amass, whatever it is to win, 20, uh, what do you need to win? 28? 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Yeah, there's 28 total points. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just all couples matches, and it's a team thing. And that's where they are the consummate team, even though individually they're the underdogs. Because it's really not an individual thing, really. But what happened? What has happened in the past doesn't doesn't mean that they should be the favorites. And they shouldn't be the favorites this year. They shouldn't be the favorites, and they just they have worse golfers. Like and and yeah, I I don't think that past history should um, dictate what is going on in in present day. I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying it's curious. How every year they come in as the underdog. And they've won seven of nine since 2002. Yeah, I mean, of, that's what makes it, that's what has made this event fascinating. A lot of, a lot of plus money on the European side. Final thought on this. Um, we're not going to do the Brooks Bryson thing, but Greg Bryson said, and I quote, there's something fun coming up here referring to him and Brooks. Would you like to take a stab at the fun item that might be coming up? No, <laughs> I will. Uh, <laughs> They should, they're going to play against each other in the match, right? Like, that has to be it. It has to be Bryson and Celebrity versus Brooks and Celebrity. Give this a final thing. Raise money. End it. That's – I just – there you go. Oh, so you think the fun thing coming up is after Ryder Cup, but later on in the year, 
They I play don't think, it. Yeah, that's a good I don't, guess. I don't think they're playing. I don't think they're playing with each other at the Ryder Cup. So yeah, I think no. It's, I maybe think it was maybe it was that uh, that video from the range. Maybe that was <laughs> that was Bryson the fun. Was that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the fun thing. They chat. They chatted for forty seconds. Yeah, Brooks. Brooks <laughs> imagine if he told us that. You, you'll see a video coming out soon. Brooks is going to come over and talk to me, um, and I'll wave at the crowd. Brooks is playing. In the, Brooks is entering the long drive con- contest. They're going to travel together oh, to Mesquite. Maybe so good. <laughs> I'd be so thrilled about that. A uh, couple of quick items here, gentlemen. We can kind of go through these pretty quick. Um, I'll start here with you, Greg. Colin Morikawa has essentially flown under the radar for the entirety of this Ryder Cup, despite being literally the number one auto qualifier here. The guy that would, in theory, be one of the guys who, you know, you throw this thing on his shoulders. I don't know what anybody makes of what we expect to see from Morikawa. He's a rookie. He hasn't played all that well coming in. He's dealt with a little bit of a back thing. Like what, what's happening here? I'm my hope is that he's healthy. Uh, and, and I hope in, in the time period between tour championship and now he's been able to get his game back in shape. Uh, and I, I trust his preparation. I trust his process. He's kind of in his own game. He's very much like the Europeans in that he doesn't change the plan. He's been working with the same process and the same coach, Rick Sessinghouse, since he was eight years old. And I, I expect that to continue. And when it comes time for a big event, there are few players in the world, age aside, who are more mentally mature than him. So I don't think there's a rookie in the game who is more ready for this kind of a stage. So I, I, I trust that things could go well for him. I mean, you worried about his putting? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, but again, I, I go back to what his mind has and what he, his mind is capable of is really strong. And the other aspect I think goes well for him is the pod that he's in. And, and you look at, th- there's an obvious pairing of, of Xander and Cantlay. Kyle has brought up on numerous occasions Morikawa and Xander playing together. And then the other guy that you might see him play with is Dustin Johnson. And I, I think those are really strong parents. So I, I expect to see a good performance out of him. Is he going to be the uh, the leading point winner? I don't, I don't know, but I expect to see a, a good performance out of him. Two, two things, Greg. Xander and Cantley to me are like Rosen Stenson were. It's kind of one of those anchors that as a captain, you put them out, whether it's four ball or foursome, and you know that they're likely to get you points. So I can't see them being split, but you never know. But I can allay your concerns because I made a point of talking to um, Colin at the Tour Championship. It was Wednesday in the practice round. So I'm like, how's your back? And he goes, no, I'm good. You know, it happened after the uh, the Olympics and the travel back from Tokyo. And he said what happened was because the back was tightened, the golf swing started to develop um, compensations, really. So he got his golf swing all out of whack timing-wise. But then they got the back figured out. And then he and Rick hooked up. And, and he said he felt like everything was back on track. But in terms of health, uh, he told me at the Tour Championship, he felt fine. It was just a question of now starting to you know, swing properly. And to your observation, make putts, because this week is all about making putts. I was underwhelmed by the Cantlay-Xander uh, pairing at the President's Cup. I thought it was fine. I, I thought they were pretty low energy. I, I would, I would, um, I don't know. I, they're awesome. And they're, they're the two guys that we talk about a ton the, of, of guys that don't have any holes, but I, I it's just, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't totally work for me. I, I, I do think we'll see them a ton, uh, this week though. So maybe, maybe they go four and oh, who knows? Maybe they're the, the Fleetwood Molinari, but I wanted to say real quick, 
the the pods that we're seeing, like the four, the 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 guys that are playing together so far this week, I think are awesome. Like you, it, it's it's the one you just mentioned, uh, Cantley Xander, DJ Morikawa. They put Bryson with the adults, JT and Spieth, right, and, and Scheffler. And Scheffler, yeah. Texas, and then, uh, Texas group there. Yeah, and you know, JT and Spieth can you know babysit Bryson or whatever. And then you've got uh, who does it? Burger. So Burger, Burger English, Finau, Kepka. Yeah, I think that's. I I think those are great. Like I think that that works, and I think it's straightforward it's not you're not trying to do anything crazy and i I, i'm excited about what i think what's going to come out of that and how that'll how that'll play out when it comes to the parents i agree kyle they're they're fantastic Uh, they're i think they're as natural as it could get um and when you look at the burger kepka florida state thing i I think there could be something there burger and english just look on paper like they'd be a, a perfect pair a match made in heaven and finau Finau and Kepka fit. I thought Finau and DJ or Finau and uh, DeChambeau would also work, uh, but I, I have no problem with with that option. I think Kepka Finau could be a, a real force. I think it made Bryson, me feel good because it made me feel good because my bet with you, Cal, was looking <laughs> bad after the Brooks Golf Digest comments. But that part over there, it it it, it percolated my hopes a little bit to maybe well, see Brooks I was, more often than not. Well, you might see Brooks five times. You ain't seeing Bryson five times. He, he's not. And I think they did this. Like Bryson is borderline unplayable and alternate shot. Like you, you, you just, you put yourself in a really bad scenario. And I think they did that. I think they put in with Scheffler purposefully because you're not going to roll Scheffler out there four times in his first Ryder cup. He, he's a, he's a piece of the puzzle, but he, he's not, it's not JT speak or can't Xander you know, or, or even like DJ Morikawa. So I, I think that I, I like that they have Bryson and Shuffler kind of hidden a little bit there with JT and speed. Hey, producer Jacob, did I say both Bryson and Brooks all five times? Or was it just Brooks? Pretty sure it was. Brooks. Yes. I'm getting the yes. All right. Cool. <laughs> I, I worry about Brooks <laughs> all, five times. I, I think with that, if, if you have a, somebody with a wrist injury and you play him in alternate shot, and he gets a bad lie in the rough and gets hurt. You're you lose the you lose the point and a whole ton of DraftKings points. Um, and if you right now, right, now right, but if you <laughs> if you go in four in four ball, now all of a sudden he can lean on Finau or Berger or English and they can play their way in. They're at a huge disadvantage, but you can at least finish the match and uh, you have a chance. So I would really worry. I'd be I'd be concerned about Brooks and alternate shot just because a, a wrist injury can be so nagging. And even if you're feeling good, um, it, it, it definitely would have my concern as a captain. I think, I think they will be conservative with, with, with most of these guys, honestly, I, I think that's, that's their advantage, right? Is to not like they don't, Europe they don't has to, to yeah. yeah, Europe has to, I mean, Rom and Roy have to play five times. Like there's, there's no question. And honestly, like Hovland and Sergio might have to play five times as well. And the U.S. can and, – and this has gotten them into a little bit of trouble in the past where they have, again, too many options. But they can kind of pick and choose, like, riding, you know, who's hot, pulling Kepka back, definitely hiding Bryson until, you know, away from from, alter, from foursome. So I, I think that's – to Greg's point, that's, that's to the U.S.'s advantage. 
I, we're going to talk about our bets here on the other side, but real quick, we we've spent a lot of, of time talking about the lack of fans at events. We're getting fans guys. There are going to be fans at whistling strikes straights. Mark, I imagine um, it is going to be as, as boisterous as ever. If we get uh, whenever Bryson goes off number one, I'm hoping he gives us the full on speed training try to drive the green swing that we've seen on his YouTube channel. Like just give me all of this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that would be cool. Um, because those first tees, I mean, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I was at the last one at Hazeltine out here in the United States and it was massive. And apparently France was crazy. And now this week, this week, this year, they get, they're going even bigger. But to me, the one thing, look, I think the fans are going to play a big part in this. They really, really are. But the one thing about this golf course, unlike maybe Le Golf National, which is also on a big premises, but other courses like Medina, where it's tree-lined and stuff, it jams fans in there. And so you're playing in a cauldron on every hole, and there's just four matches out. And you just feel like folks are on top of you, and the noise is unfathomable. But this place is so spread out, and it's by the lake. So noise kind of dissipates some. And there's so many hills and valleys and, and, and sand dunes and stuff that there'll be folks all over the show, but they're not on top of each other like they are on certain other uh, golf courses. So that might mitigate it some, but I still feel like the home course advantage here, Green Bay, for goodness sake, is going to be huge for the Americans. It really is. That home course advantage, Greg. It, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just excited. Obviously, we golf came back. There were no fans. This is the one event. If you guys remember, uh, I don't know when this was. A year ago, whatever. We were like, yeah, you can play golf without fans, but you can't play the Ryder Cup without fans. This is where most people drew the line, and now we're gonna see it. Yeah, they're they're a huge even for the Europeans. It, it's a huge factor. Uh, when you when you suck the energy out of out of a home crowd as an away team, it, it has a really positive effect. It, the analogy is, and Jacob will be happy. I'll get away from a football analogy here. Um, in sailing, you can sail into the wind. That's always wow. like blown my mind. Yeah, you didn't, didn't see, see that, that coming, coming did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can sail into the wind. I've never understood how that happens. But there's a way. You turn the sail, swing the the uh, you know what? Swing something starboards. Yeah, you're, swing the jib starboard. You're out of you. You sound like Phil right now. You're out of <laughs> yeah. your skis a little yeah, bit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, talking about ice cream sales. Um, but but anyway, you you can use a in energy here in a positive or in a negative way. And and there's a way to turn somebody who's against you and quiet them. And that can fuel you just the same way as when Bryson drives the first green, it's uh, if, if he drives the first green, it is uh, extremely exciting and that will pump a ton of energy into the crowd. So it's a huge factor in a Ryder cup every single year, home or away for either team. Um, and and you're right, Rick. You you can't play a Ryder Cup without fans. So it, if, it's very exciting. If Bryson doesn't try to drive the first green, then why why are we even having the event? <laughs> they should just concede every hole after that. Yeah, just pa- just head back to the head back to the clubhouse. Now I, I'm, you know, I'm excited. I I hope. And, and in 2016, it was awesome. I mean, it was just the experience of a lifetime for me to cover it. But it was also really bad at times, like some stuff that was said to Rory and it just got, it got out of hand. And 
I, I don't, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nonsense. And I'm hopeful that everybody there is so grateful just to be, just, just to have this event, just to be at it, that it doesn't, that it's a little bit of a reset, that it doesn't get out of hand like that. Uh, and that it stays kind of within the bounds of, of, um, you know, what you, what is acceptable at a, at a sporting event like that, but it's going to be, it's going to be insane. It's going to be just the best after three years of waiting for it, after five years of waiting for it in the U S I, I, I can't wait. And I think it's awesome that it's on Lake Michigan. It's going to be beautiful and you know, it's going to feel, it's like fall golf weather. It's just, ah, it's going to be awesome. You know, Kyle, that's uh, that Hazeltine Ryder Cup you speak of. It's the same sort of ilk of fan that was out there in Minnesota that will be around the place here in, in Milwaukee. And I was there too. And you're right. They went after Roar in a big way to start because he was like the tip of the European spear. And so they were trying to sort of knock Samson down, if you will. But Rory, in the end, you remember how he goaded the fans? Like he'd hit a good shot and he'd turn and bow to them and he'd hold a putt and he'd be like, come on, you know. And it almost became this this protagonist versus the fans thing. And so it's instead of just putting his head down and playing, he almost wound them up into a froth where these folks were they, they were off the chain. They were, they, it was crazy, the fans out there. And there were some horrible things said. But, you know, I think if he had maybe played it a bit more cool and he didn't have that sort of edge about him because he did that that week, maybe it wouldn't have been as nasty. But it was pretty it was pretty horrible. This yeah. is um, oh, sorry. Were you hopping in there? No. Well, no, sorry. I mean, I, I, I think I think that I think you can. I, I don't think what a player like a player. It, it's a show. Right. It's entertainment. Like you're supposed to do those. That's what Patrick Reed does when he goes to Scotland. That's what you expect from Rory and Rom and everybody else when they come here. It doesn't justify what like what happens after that. And I think there are times when it gets like, I don't know, you've been out there like legit kind of scary when you're three feet away from a bunch of like clowns that are like going crazy. I mean, it, it, it's we've kind of joked about it, but it's like, what's well, this going to be like at Beth Page and, you know. <laughs> 2025 when you've got all these just lunatics running around and john john rom's gonna like making friends I mean, in new york too go it's it's well I, off the list. it is what it is like I, you guys have been at us opens there and pgas there it's it's crazy i mean and and they they're proud of that like that's their thing so I, like the the showmanship that you see at a Ryder cup certainly does not justify some of the things that are said and, and how close some fans get to the players. And I think that's going to be, I hope it's not a big story this week. I think it will be a big story of future Ryder cups. The entertainment will be super bowl levels. The wagering will be super bowl levels. You can bet on uh, seemingly everything. We are going to go through some of the more popular options, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been 
uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Uh, do you ever think it's interesting? Every time I see John Rom's name, I he doesn't have an H in John, but he has a random one in Rom. What is... Yeah, they I was just think- like moved it. I was thinking about <laughs> his first... N- yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, it, the, the H in Rom isn't random. If, if the H wasn't there, it'd be Ram. Yeah, right. So you I need the, the it's not random. So it should I, be yeah. Joan. John Ram. It should be Joan. John, yeah, Joan. Joan Ram. Joan. Joan Ram. But he, John when you Ram. spell John, when you spell Jonathan, you don't. There's no H there. So when you go to just the shortened version of John, which is my father's name, uh, it's there. There's an H in there. So I, hey, I don't know. Co- I, I get. Hey, we need the co- we need the coach on for an official uh, judgment here. Rick, unless you Jonathan Vegas, he's got the H there. He's got. The, he's also got the H at a different spot as well. Yeah, where, yeah. Where is there was that? A, <laughs> there was also a uh, there was a running back for Texas a few years ago that that was was John Ethan with an H. Can't remember his last name. Maybe maybe producer Jacobs deep in the college football wagering world, so maybe he remembers. I always think it's interesting when like Johns go by Jack. There's always like we, that's maybe that's a different episode. There's some uh, there's some so nicknames in, out there. Jonathan Gray. There you go. Producer Jacob Clutch. Um, my son's name is Jonathan Jack, and we call him Jack. Mm. I don't know how that fits into <laughs> to this conversation, but typically the Jack is um, just like sailing. This is another one of my <laughs> expertises. Uh, but the the Jack is typically when a father is John. And they name you name yeah. your son John right instead of John Junior you go he's he's Jack, um, but why but Jack? Yeah, that is isn't it. Why Jack? That's a good. It's a great question. It's like the I have an aunt Peggy and her real name's Margaret, and when I found out that her name was Margaret and she went by Peggy, my mind blew. Where does that come from? I don't get it. It's still, I never do, and I don't think I ever will. I was I was thinking about John Rom's name today though. I don't know I don't know why. I'm I'm like uh, just you know completely out of my mind during Ryder Ryder Cup week just thinking about just bizarre things and his first name just it seems weird that there's not an H. I I I, I don't know why I was actually thinking about this today in light of this conversation, but it's just it's weird. It's weird that it's just J O N. Not I mean other people are named that as well, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's odd. Rick, get this thing back on the tracks for us, please. We will get to the bottom of the nicknames and the spellings at some point. But for now, we're going through our betting options, and there's plenty of them. We have narrowed it down to some of the most popular ones that we think are going to be worth a good discussion. And we're going to start with the top European. This is the golfer to score more points for Team Europe than any other player. I think usually 
three or three and a half will win this for you, right? That's that's kind of what we're what we're looking for, I assume. History says something like that. Yeah, at four probably get to the outright three and a half. Uh, three is probably a three and a half might be a push, but I think but th- I mean I think three, three is and, probably a push. Three and a half four is is pretty pretty good pretty solid uh okay mark we're gonna start with you top european no surprise to see two big names at the top john rom plus 333 rory mcelroy plus 500 those are the two that most people are going to assume are going to do the heavy lifting who is your top european well i struggled to avert my eyes from john rom because you know he's going to get five goes and the way he's playing um is uh, is just, he's just so he's so solid. Solid. Uh, Carl has documented this, but I have a sense now. Unless I'm wrong and my mind is failing me because I'm fresh off a flight from Philly, but I know Victor Hovland was in the same pot as him, and I have a feeling that they may play together. And I think Rom and Hovland could be dynamite. And then I have a sense if Hovland's going well, which he's probably going to, he'll go out early on Sunday and get himself a quick win. So I've actually went with Hovland as the top Euro uh, this week and and. In Wisconsin, I, I, I did too. Sorry to jump in here. I went with Hovland as well. I think that he is his games. It just fits this course so so well. And the Euros for the last I looked this up. The last three Ryder Cups, they've had a rookie that's scored at least three points. In 2014, it was Jamie Donaldson. 2016, it was Thomas Peters. 2018, it was Molinari and Fleetwood that scored at least three points. And I wonder if I, I do wonder if if the, if Harrington tries to just like if he it, like Mar just said if he tries to pair like let's say Rom and Hovland and then Sergio and Rory and just tries to ride like they're like just tries to like clean house with as many eight eight points from those from those four guys (laughs) yeah or like like six or seven and then try to steal a couple elsewhere over the first couple days and then just see what happens on singles because those guys those four guys specifically off the tee are just so like they just set up so well for this golf course in a way that Fitzpatrick and Poulter and Westwood and those guys do not at all so I'm 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 interested to see how they do those pairings. Mark and Kyle with Victor Hovland plus 650 to be top European. Greg, I went with Paul Casey. I'm not sure how much I love this, but I saw the 10 to one number. He, I think we talked about this on Monday, kind of plays a more American style of golf. He's great off the tee. He's going to need a partner who can putt. But I, I think after, to me, the European team is incredibly top heavy and I, someone's going to have to step up after that. And I'm thinking, why not Paul Casey at 10 to one? Yeah, I, I I mean it's a great number. The thing you're really hinging on is a great early start. Mm. Um where it's so you know, he's got to win convincingly with somebody who can also go. You know, if he's paired with a Lee Westwood or something and there's like rest built in to the plan, then I think it that could hinder Paul Casey. Although you could still you could still be the point leader with rest. It's not the end of the world, but you know the the concern with Hovland and and I would include Case I would include everybody in this except Rom and Rory. The concern is if they if something doesn't go well early, they're not going to get the automatic crack. Whereas Rom and McElroy, they're gonna they're gonna go five no matter what. And and they're the way that they play. In my opinion, they've they've built so much stock. And, and they're so young, they're in their prime, they're able to go five matches, they're going to go five. 
I'm almost sure of it. And so for that reason, I, I prefer Rory McIlroy in this. Uh, I think it's a slightly better number than John Rahm. John Rahm's coming off a missed cut. I, I think I just like Rory slightly more than Rahm in this. But I, to me, I think you got to stick with one of those two. Five to one for Rory McIlroy. I, th- yeah, I think the I, other I, one that's... Sorry. Oh, I was just going to... It's not the best number, but I, I think it... I do think it's your best chance. And I kind of draw a line under Rahm and Rory, and I say it's going to be one of those two guys. And I prefer the... I mean, I don't like three to whatever plus three, uh, three thirty three. I don't, I don't like that. I think Greg that Hovland's one of your five match guys, even as a rookie, he's the second highest ranked player in the team. He's been playing fantastic. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy, re- remember he's won the USM where you've got to be a match play fiend. And I know that's amateur golf and you know, this is all stuff in the past, but he's, he's, he's got what it takes and he's got the mental acumen to, to to really get in there and mix it up with some of the heavyweights. He's proved to us that he can. So so I, I'm I'm prepared to bet that he's a five match guy. I, I don't I, I think Mark might be right. I think the other the other guy that's interesting here is Sergio at eleven because mm-hmm. Sergio's played out of a possible forty four sessions, he's played forty one over the course of his career. Which is yeah, pretty good. That's a, a lot. lot. I mean, I think Rory's played twenty four of twenty four. Uh, he's met Rory's missed one 24 25 yeah one well one time. in in 2010 they remember they they had that they had a weather thing so they did they only had four sessions oh they put no, all I thought they, they put, condensed them they put they did six didn't they do six uh oh they did yeah, six so they, matches exactly so they mm. they they only did oh, four wow. sessions and they did six matches in each so, gotcha. Rory's played so I misread the Wikipedia page. And and Sergio just plays a ton and he's been driving it great. Uh again, this course is you got to drive it well. 11 to 1 is a really good number for somebody that historically has played that many matches. So I think he's interesting here also. All right, let's American. I got to say this if I if I'm an American guy and I love Sergio. I love Sergio especially in this format. He finds a different gear. He's got that sort of a thing about him. But if I'm playing him and and I'm American I'm watching him hold every three-footer all day long, and I will say it to him. He'll look over at you, and I'm like, no, buddy, you put that stuff because you and I both know what you like over the short stuff, just how it is. Uh, imagine uh, Sergio and Jordan Spieth having a four-foot putting contest. Uh, let's bop on over to the American side of things. This is a drive-by on Spieth. <laughs> My gosh. Top. Mark's um, hollering about the Euros, and Rick just does a drive-by on a three-time major winner. That's I unreal. Just can imagine these two telling each other they got to put everything out. It'd be amazing. Uh, top American. So uh, this is much more spread out here, Greg. Justin Thomas, uh, the shortest odds. He plays every single match. He's got a great partnership. So does Patrick Cantlay. So does Jordan Spieth. So does Xander Shoffley. The the American side. It's kind of take your pick, seemingly of one of those guys because you know you're going to get built-in opportunity, but would you like to find someone else on the board? I uh, I think Mr. Three-Footer Jordan Spieth is <laughs> the guy here. Um, and this event just means so much to him. His record has been so good, and I think he's got to crack through eventually in the singles. I, I It's so hard for me to picture Jordan Spieth going, being 0-7 in in team singles, like, like in, in Ryder Cup, President's Cup singles. I cannot picture that. 
Um, and he's played well at whistling straights before I expect him to again. Um, I, I think any of those four players are, are a really solid option. Uh, the, and of course the, the team of Shoffley and Cantlay is far less proven. Um, and, and they have a two and two record together, uh, two and oh, and four sums, two and oh, and single, uh, in, in four ball. And when you bring that against the Europeans, it could, it could change significantly. So, um, my lean, I believe the safest play, and I'm comfortable with the number on speed going below that. There's some, there's options, especially if it doesn't go well for the Europe, uh, for the Americans. I, I think there's more options on the American side because they don't, they're not so reliant on, on two players the way, I mean, it sounds like you guys think three, I, I kind of draw the line at two, as I said earlier, but I, I think all 12 of these guys are capable of going five matches. And, and for that reason, I, I don't think anyone should. Um, but but that's just me. Jordan Spieth, 7-1 to one for Greg. I took uh, half a point and took Patrick Cantlay at 7.5-1. to one. I also think there's – when we get the pairings, there's some interesting things to be had when we see what goes out Friday morning. But, KP, you and Mark are both in lockstep again here. So this time around, I'll give you the crack to go first. Yeah, I, this, is, this is hard because – Rick or uh, Greg is right. You don't, it's harder to know like who's going the distance here. I feel pretty confident that JT is going to play five matches. I mean, I, I think it kind of flew under the radar that he went four and one in Paris. I mean, he's the only guy since Corey Pavin in 95 to, to win at least four points for a U.S. team in a Ryder Cup. So the only guy over the last, what is that, 25 years? And he wasn't great this summer, but two of his last three events, or I guess two of the three playoff events, he gained strokes putting. That was kind of the thing that had plagued him throughout the summer. So it seemed like it kind of came around a little bit. And I think that he's your, I, I, in the same way that I think Rory is kind of the heartbeat of the Euro side, I think that's JT on the US side. And I think even if, I don't know, even if it doesn't go well in the first match, I think you roll him, I think you roll him and Spieth back out there. You know, I, I really do. So I, I think he gets five matches, and I think he's probably uh, your your. Even though it's not a great number, I I still like him a lot better than like a Xander at just you know one Xander at seven to one. I think is way way worse than JT at six to one. Mark, you're on the same page. I am, and sort of thinking along the same lines as Kyle. I just feel like Justin Thomas. I mean, the physical gifts aside. He's the lightning rod of this United States team. He, he's he's likely to be him and Spieth, the most vocal guys in the uh, the locker room afterwards. Um, when he gets out there and plays, he's got that sort of a bulldog thing about him, and he's not afraid to get in your face, and he's up for the battle all of the time. And and just like Garcia, just like Poulter in a funny sort of a way, Justin seems to raise the level of his play when he's just head to head. When it's that like you versus me thing, and so. I, I love him in this format. I think his game's going to do well. And, and the putting is, is trending in the right direction. Let's move our attention to top overall point score. Now, this could easily be one of the guys that we picked to win the Euro the U.S. side or the European side. I've opted to go in kind of a different direction and try to tell a little bit of a story here. For me, it's Rory McIlroy. If, if the Europeans win, it is because uh, their stars have shined very brightly. John Rahm gets the job done. Rory McIlroy gets the job done. You get the guaranteed, uh, seemingly guaranteed five matches out of Rory McIlroy. So that's where I'm going. 
with longer odds for Rory McIlroy to be the top overall point scorer. And Mark, I'm going to go right back to you because I think you kind of are on a similar page here. Uh, yeah, I, I actually lent towards John Rahm, and I know I'd said that I thought Victor Hovland was going to be the best European, but I, I, I get, again, the sense that he and Hovland are going to play together. They're going to make a cracking pair. And and the way Rahm is going along, um, he just wants to win so bad. And he's an imposing figure. You know, he's a big, strong, tall guy who's not afraid to look you in the eye, and he's got that death stare about him. And if he draws a rookie or or someone in the first, like a Bern Wiesberger, pardon me, one of the American rookies in the first game, like a Scheffler or something, you'll stare a hole in him. So I just, I feel like Ram is going to be really tough and he's going to play five games. Okay, that leaves us with, uh, let's go to you, Greg. You are doubling down on Mr. Jordan Spieth and for top overall point score, now you get into double digits, 10 to one for Mr. Spieth. And I I do prefer, depending on what your budget allows, I prefer this over, well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe the better value is the top American point scorer. Um, but but I like this one too. I, I think at 10 to 1, it's a, it's a fairly good number. And the story that I'm painting is that the U.S. wins. And so the, the top scorer on the U.S. is going to be the top scorer in, in the overall competition. So it's, it's a pretty simple one for me. Um, and I'm doubling down on... The American darling. If if Justin Thomas is the heartbeat, I think uh, Jordan is is the, is our darling. Well, Kyle, your heartbeat for the American team is also your pick to be the top overall point scorer, the Justin Thomas. Uh, in this case, you're getting him at nine to one to be the king of this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, again, so many of the same reasons that that uh, I laid out earlier. I think the biggest one is just having confidence. And, and that's part of the, the, this, this, it, like picking this event is so different than picking a, a stroke play, you know, even like a major championship. Cause you, you, you know, at a, at a, at a U.S. Open, it's like, well, you know, most of these guys are going to play four rounds. And going into this, you're like, I, I think this guy will play three matches or five. It, it's just, it's so, it's so odd. Um, but I, I, I have a lot of confidence that JT will go five and that, just like in Paris, he'll win a bunch of them. Let's talk wild cards. That is what most sports books are using to refer to as captain's picks. So if you hear me say wild card, that is what I'm talking about. Gentlemen, I'm I'm, I'm the lone wolf here for the U.S. wild card. We'll hang on to that in just one second. Mark, uh, lead the way here. You, Greg, and Kyle have all chosen the same wild card for the U.S. team. And if Harris English was a captain's pick, I would have picked him. Yeah, but just Daniel Berger is a tremendous player. He's He's got that grit about him. I, I'm a bit little concerned at what is normally a strength of the game, and that's the putting, because he hasn't looked as convincing on the greens, but he's so reliable, and it's going to be cold. The wind blows a little bit there on the banks of, the, uh, of, of Lake Michigan and hits the thing head high. So I think it's going to shape up for him to hit that low carving cut shot down there and, and earn a few points like he did at Liberty National. Greg, Daniel Harris, Berger. I thought Harris English was a captain's pick. Yeah. No, he was automatic, wasn't he? No. Uh, oh, so yes. Har- oh, forgive me. There were six. Yeah, I've got that wrong. Six to one for Harris English to be the top U.S. wild card. Daniel Berger, five and a half to one. Ooh, Greg? No, I'm concerned. <laughs> Gre- Harris Greg- is going to be good this week. Oh, there you go. Greg, how do you feel about Daniel Berger? I assume very well. See, yeah, very, very well. 
I, I mean, I really should. Wild card, my mind just didn't go to Spieth. And so I, if I want to differentiate a little bit, this is the reason why I'm not going with Jordan Spieth. Although, um, it, based on the other story that I've told, it's silly not to go with Spieth in this, uh, in this form. But I'm going to differentiate a little bit here and go with Daniel Berger. I think his game is really well-rounded. I really like the the potential pairings that I'm seeing, at least out of the um, the the quote-unquote pods that have been presented to us uh, or seemingly so and if those really are the pods i, I like i like a kepka burger pairing i i really like a english burger pairing i think those two guys are ready to go for being Ryder cup rookies and uh, he could be an unsung hero here so I, i'm hoping for it i was adamant about him being picked on this team and, and he was so i got to get a little a little daniel burger action in here I think I think I had Burger also. I think Kepka Burger has the feel of like, um, oh, you guys won four and three on Friday morning. Okay, you're going again, right? That's I think that's one of those. If they end up playing together, that's one of those that you could just keep. If they're hot, you keep because Burger. I mean, last three months he was I think fourth out of everybody in this field in terms of strokes gain. It went Rom, Cantlay, uh, Harris English, and then I think Burger. Like he's been awesome from T to green over the last several months. So uh, I'm excited about him. And I think that he's somebody that if he gets hot, you just, you keep riding him. Like you just, you just keep throwing him back out there, no matter the format. And, and I also think Kyle, to that point, he is kind of a Jack of all trades um, in that he would be a great fit in both formats. Whereas Kepka, I already uh, documented my concerns about him in for some play. I don't have those concerns at all with Daniel Berger. I think he'd be a great alternate shot player um, and maybe as valuable in that he's, he's extremely versatile because his game is so well-rounded. And I, and I just think he's a little bit better, a little more reliable with the ball striking than Harris English, who also has a similar feel to him, a, drac- a jack of all trades kind of player. I, I, because of Daniel Berger's strength with the iron play, I think he has an edge to to get more matches, and he may play with Harris English in alternate shot and Kepka in foursomes, uh, in four ball rather. Maybe maybe that's maybe he gets a Finau. I, I just I think he could yeah. play with anybody, and so he I'd, he I'd, could be a a real horse for us. I'd like to see the uh, the Finau burger. I think that yeah. I think that would be I think that would be really interesting. That's especially the man I Brooks, went with. Especially yeah. if Brooks needs a nap, then you can just throw, you know, get Fina out there. and It's a nap and he has to watch Sports Center, is what he told us. <laughs> oh, forgot. So that's, forgot. that's like, that's like two and a half hours in the middle of the day. You got to go. <laughs> uh, I did go with Tony Fina. I just think he is ultimately parable, ultimately talented, could be good in a lot of different situations. I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to be running out. Mr. Finau as my U.S. wild card. So let's turn our attention to European wild card. There's only three options here, gentlemen. Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, and Shane Lowry. And according to our friends over at Caesars, basically all the same odds. Sergio's plus 170. Poulter and Lowry are both plus 175. So Mark, take your pick. Ian Poulter. Um, and I feel like he's going to play some alternate shot with Rory McIlroy. And Poulter, um, I know everyone's speaking about Garcia. There's something about Ian Poulter in this format. We know this. And I know this is a lot of golf course, but the emphasis around you is playing from the fairway. 
because the way it rolls out a little bit, a lot of fairways, you're not hitting into hills. So you can get some scoot along these fairways, even if it's moist. So he can hit a tumbling draw. That's kind of his shot a little bit. So he's not going to be playing from too far away. And he's going to be playing approach shots first, which means he's going to put pressure on folks. And and he's just up for this sort of stuff. So Poulter and McElroy will play foursomes. Of this, I'm convinced I'm choosing Poulter this week. Interesting. I will bite on Sergio Garcia. I think he's going to have to play a lot. I think he's going to have to obviously rely on the Tita Green play, and we'll see how that goes. Greg, uh, Poulter, Sergio, or Lowry, please. I think Sergio is probably the smartest play here, but the Ryder Cup and paper don't really get along too well. So uh, in that case, I'm going Ian Poulter here. I got to get a little Ian Poulter action in this. It's not my favorite. This isn't my favorite um, bet here, but I think I, I think you got to touch Poulter at somewhere. And there's just that chance that the magic comes out and the miracle comes out again, even though it doesn't add up on paper. But the way that he rolls it um, and some of the the partners that he could draw, I, I could see Ian Poulter being a three-point guy. If he is, it's bad news for the U.S. Um, but <laughs> but I, I do think he yeah he could be a force again. If Ian Poulter gets I just, three points, the Europeans have won. That's that's a problem. I, I, I don't think Poulter is super playable at, on, on this course. Um, he hasn't he hasn't been great at a Ryder Cup since 2010, 2012, maybe. He was okay in in uh 18. I think he went two and two. He was not very good in 2014 at Glen Eagles. And Honestly, like he hadn't, he hasn't been great from tee to green this year. He's like outside the top hundred in the world. Like he's just, he, he's not. I, I would put a, I would pl- if I'm Europe, I would play a burned Weisberger um, ahead of of Ian Poulter. Like I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, especially on this course. Now, if they're if you're playing like off national, I think that. Uh, I think Poulter uh, obviously becomes more playable, but at Whistling Straits, I just I don't he he it's it's going to be very difficult for him to putt his way to two or three points uh, at a place like that. So I went with Sergio. I, I think that I think he is very playable, and I think they'll play him a lot. And the way he drove the golf ball this year, and his he's so long, he's like kind of sneaky, really really long off the tee. And you can play him with a bunch of different guys. I, you know, if he if he starts and he started rolling it in in the in the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs, he started putting really well, which is very you know on brand for for Ryder Cup season. So I think Were his well, eyes think, open uh, or closed. Uh, yeah, who who can say? I think Sergio's the uh, the play here. Sergio for me and Kyle Poulter for. Mark and Greg, which means Shane Lowry will certainly be the top European wildcard. Obviously. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we uh, we got to find a. I, I know people are, are waiting on bated breath for our best bets uh, because we were over last week. So we've got we've got to find we've got to find some winners this time around. And Mark, I want to start with you. Yours is fascinating. I got to get the the uh, analysis behind this. You are going with a very, <laughs> very specific uh, wager is your best bet. It is for foursomes day mm-hmm. one that yep. the United States will beat Europe exactly two and a half to one and a half. And if that comes true, you get six to one on your money. Is that all? Um, <laughs> it's the opening salvo of the matches. I think the Americans are going to be up for it. They're better in foursomes than people make out. 
and I think you've got some, you guys have talked about it. You've got some really neat looking alternate shot groupings here that Captain Stricker can line up. It's just the order that he's got to play them. And, and, and can they overcome just the gravity of the situation? But I feel, I, I, I'm, not, I'm going to pivot back to the influence of the crowd. It's going to be huge. And the folks are going to be at a froth on Friday morning. And they are going to lift these guys to level to levels with it, of adrenaline that are just off the charts. And so I feel like the Americans they parlay that into a, a lead in foursomes, which is going to be good for them because that 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 sets them up for a big afternoon with four balls later in the day. Oh, okay. Well, we are going to keep an eye on that. And, and the good thing about this, this gets resolved uh, four hours into this event or whatever. So we're going to find out very, very early. We don't have to wait long for that. Kyle, uh, you and I actually have the same one here, and we do have to wait a little bit longer for this. You are going with, we are going with, the United States to win day three. That is Sunday singles minus 143. Your thoughts, please, sir. Yeah, I just, I think that, Europe is, I think, better at the top than I imagine. And you said this earlier, but I think they're better at the very top than I imagined coming in. But they're they're worse at the bottom than I thought coming in. Um, they're they're. I mean, I think they have probably the four or five worst guys in this. If you look at all, tw- if you look at it as like a tournament field, I think they have the bottom four or five. And on a course where it just doesn't play into their hands. At, I think that's a I it just seems like a very straightforward um bet for the US side. Now, does that mean they're gonna win ten to two on Sunday? No, I don't think so. But I think they just have such a distance advantage when it comes to the singles matches that uh it, it, it'll I think you'll run into a and again, this is this is where conserving guys energy throughout the week comes into play. It doesn't that doesn't hit until a Sunday. When all of a sudden a 45 year old Sergio or however, whatever he is, is trying, or 43, is trying to play his fifth match of the week and it, it becomes just extraordinarily difficult. So that's kind of why, that was kind of my thinking behind going with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Obviously, I just think that um, depending on how it shakes out, the United States will be favored in. At, at least nine of the matches, maybe 10, depending on how they shake out. Rory won't be a favorite or won't be a dog. Rom won't be a dog. Um, but depending on how the rest of those shake out, you could get a lot of favorites there. So I went with uh, the United States to win day three, which leaves Greg, your best bet. You've essentially turned top Irish player into a little bit of a matchup because there's only, there's only two of them. It's Rory McIlroy. It's Shane Lowry. You took Rory McIlroy minus 187. Yes, I, I think, um, first of all, we need to get a win on the board here. We got to get some red on the board early. So I need a win in the best bet. Um, and and this one, although it's not great odds, I think there's the biggest discrepancy here of, uh, of volume. And a, an average to poor Ryder Cup for Rory McIlroy could still outdo the opportunity that Shane Lowry has. Um, and I, I think that's a big advantage for him. Uh, my guess is Shane Lowry plays three times, um, but there's a chance that he plays two. Rory's going to have those two extra matches that I, I think is going to go a long way. So I'm kind of surprised that it's even on the board. I'm surprised it's even an option. And so for that reason, I, I think it's the um, the closest thing to a sure bet on the board. Have you have you uh, have you considered somebody getting COVID and Padraig Harrington having to sub himself in? Um, well, 
have I considered it? No, because there's an envelope. There's an envelope rule. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, Harrington can't go in there. The, the, they have the envelope rule. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's about that time. Uh, we now Let's must go. make fools of ourselves by going on record with our final prediction and score. Um, I'm 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 noticing that three of us are on one side. One of us are on the other side. Mark, I will start with you to win the are we calling this the 2020 Ryder Cup still? Technically, uh, is this like Tokyo 2020 to yeah, win? I think it is. OK, to win the 2020 Ryder Cup. Who do you have, sir? I have the favorites. Um, I'm going with the United States. I think the, I was at the last Ryder Cup at Hazeltine and it was very one sided. You know, the final score belied how dominant the Americans were. And I get, I feel like we're going to have a lot of the same over here. It's a plucky European team and they're not going to lie down. They were, they were poor in Hazeltine the last time around. But uh, I feel like they'll put up a big battle and I think it'll be close in the end. And in the end, your guys' call there on the final day singles will be the difference. And so I'm going America 15 13. In similar fashion, Greg, you are also taking the United States by a similar score, this time 15 and a half, 13 and a half, which doesn't add up. It's got to yeah. be 12 and a half, I think. 15 and a half. Some tough, tough right? math there. Yeah, I meant 12 and a half. Yeah. I meant 12 and a half. <laughs> you know, I originally, I originally had 15, 13. Uh, and I, I wanted to go to the, I, I wanted to go to the half and I'm, that's a typo. My bad. It's okay. That being said, nine of the last 10 Ryder cups have been dis- the winner of the Ryder cup has won the singles. I agree with mm-hmm. you guys. I think the U S has a, a big advantage in singles play. I, I think there is a, um, a young, a youth attitude on this team that plays into their favor. The, the home team having youth is a good thing. And the, same, the away team having experience is a good thing too. But we have so many more options in, um, in, in keeping players fresh. And we have highlighted it many times. The, the, Europe, uh, the European team is very thin. And so for that reason, their stars will be a little more fatigued. And I think that gives the U.S. a... A really big advantage. So over all in all, I, I think this team's ready. I like the pods that I've seen. Uh, the distractions with Bryson and Brooks, I feel like, have kind of masked masked the advantage that the U.S. has. Maybe not in the sports uh, in the books, but um, but I, I do think it's a big advantage. So I'm I'm going to take it. Speaking of big advantages, uh, Kyle, you have predicted the largest route out of all of us. Uh, your pick, please. I wanted to go like 22 to six, but, um, <laughs> I let, I let logic get the best of me. I look, I, it, you, you know, we're one insane Ian Poulter Saturday finish in 2012 away from this being probably the fourth straight win that the U S has on their home turf. It, it, it is, they have not, they haven't dominated in the United States, but they've been really good. And I think sometimes when we talk about the Ryder Cup, everybody talks about, oh, you know, and we talk about it and we should, that Europe wins a lot when they shouldn't. But in the U.S., on a U.S. setup course, on a uh, really big course where you can kind of take advantage of some of your strengths, the U.S. has been really good. And I think you combine that with the fact that, again, this generational turnover 
to having six rookies, to having JT and Spieth be the biggest personalities in the room and not Tiger and Phil. I think JT and Spieth are bought in in a way that Tiger and Phil never were. And I, I'm not, I don't hold that against Tiger and Phil. I just think it's meaningful that JT and Spieth are the leaders now. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to lead to a, a really uh, dominant win uh, for them at whistling straight. So definitely producer Jacob cut this whole thing after Poulter goes four Oh and one and Europe wins by two. Uh, well, that's my prediction is that Europe will win by two 15 to 13. Um, I think the case for the United States team uh, kind of starts and ends with raw talent. And I think that I've got concerns around Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. The Europeans have cracked the code on this. They figured it out. Seems a little bit windy at Whistling Straits. These guys aren't as bad off the tee as everybody wants uh, wants us to believe. I, they're very top heavy. I don't know, man. Uh, just give me the give the plus two hundred and let me roll with the Euros. You've what made you- a very compelling case there. I got to tell you, after you listen, I'm listening to you going. He's right. You know that's right. She's. I'm on board. Yeah. You, you know what? I, I'm. I'm. I'm close to pivoting Rick after that uh, argument. But what do you, what do you do with a, a year like 2016, right? Where I, I think that this U.S. team is 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 more talented than that one was, and the way again, like the way the course is set up, just is such an advantage as it was at Hazeltine. What? How do you? How do you like get from there to here? Yeah, the, the 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 big thing for me is um, there are there are three or four studs on the European team, but the, the, we have seen time and time again. We see this even in our WGC match play. This is the most volatile form of golf that we have. Team golf team match play golf is incredibly volatile it's one shot here it's one shot there no one is as big of a favorite um as as you like to think they are and it's just to me it's it's more about trusting your teammates and understanding that you have the right system in place than talent at times i'm on board Rick. i'm with you (laughs) i'm with you i I will say this sorry i think the actual best bet is is Europe to win by one, two, three? Because you don't think they're going to blow out the United States. That's right. Four, that's four to one. So if you don't want, if you don't like the plus one eighty eight or plus two hundred for them to actually win, win by one, two, three is nearly twice as long. I think that's fair. I, I think that I've basically resolved to only pick the home team going forward because they yeah. the I, all everything you're saying is correct. I just think that. Again, the course and the length is it, it's going to over the course of the week, and especially in singles, it's just gonna it, it's gonna be such a factor. And that that is, I will never pick the U.S. and Europe again. I probably I'll probably pick them next time. I, I in my mind, I'd never want to pick the U.S. and Europe again because they remove that they they erase that they erase that advantage. They go to places like Le Golf National. They set it up with thin fairways and high rough and. Yeah, their stars struggle. Rory and Rom struggled in Paris last time, but it didn't matter because everybody else, you know, just destroyed the, a U.S. team that's built very much like Rom and Rory. So, um, yeah, all that to say, I just I think Whistling Straits in the end is going to play right into the U.S.'s hands, and it might not be until Sunday singles, but I think eventually they they will end up victorious. Yeah, I I I do worry about. Sunday singles and, and, and distance. I do. I certainly worry about it. Uh, gentlemen, Ryder Cup, it's happening. Anything else before we get out of here? This was your Megapod. We went through everything. Did we miss something that needs to be quickly discussed? 
Yeah, the weather, and it's going to be like 40, the lows of 49 in the morning on the banks of the Michigan over there at Lake Michigan. It's Pack a jacket. Yeah, don't worry. I'm, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> it's going to be chill. I like young guys in the cold. I like, I like Europe in the wind. That came out wrong, Greg. <laughs> yeah, let's get some cold, windy conditions. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Fleetwood might go 5-0 and if it's windy. Uh, it's going to be fascinating stuff. The visuals are going to be awesome, and we're stoked for you guys to get out there and see it in person. Let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, that right there. It's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD. Mark Immelman. You can find at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.